Good morning, everyone. This is Judith A. Cope. You're listening to Mad Love. Welcome. Good morning. Happy Monday. So much to unpack in such a little bit of time, you know. Uh, One day I see myself being able to, I mean, when I'm actually uh, getting paid to do the podcast or this is part of a bigger, you know, uh, content deal, and I'll be able to talk for longer than, you know, 15, 20 minutes. (laughs) But um, until then, you get my... uh, my stream of consciousness in these little chunks. So you're welcome. The first thing on my mind, uh, the Steelers looked flat to open that game. I stopped watching it. Um, I've been a Steeler fan since the 70s. Uh, I love Mike Tomlin. I will not criticize him. I know people like Colin Cowherd will. uh, But the reality is, you have to be respectful of your two-time uh, Super Bowl champion quarterback, but I don't I don't know that Ben should be so comfortable in his job anymore. I think it's time to look, move on from Roethlisberger. Uh, you know, this, the Steelers really aren't built to come back like that. And they obviously had some issues on defense because I've never seen the Steelers give up that many runs. Uh, I mean, it was pretty much over. Uh, in terms of, for me, uh, in the first quarter, you know, they just were so flat. It was 28 nothing. I wasn't going to hang around and watch that. So I think the Steelers are probably about to rebuild. I think they should. Uh, it You know, to have a one quarterback that long has been amazing. And he has been great at times. And, you know, I, I don't know if he has a good relationship with Mike Tomlin or not. I don't like the way whenever Roethlisberger feels in his feelings, he starts talking about retiring. You know, like if you're always got if you've always got your eye on the back door, you know, I don't like that either. So, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of him personally. The rape thing uh, I read uh, the article of of I read an article about how that went down. And I just, I'm not a huge Ben Roethlisberger fan as a human being. I'm not sure he's my type of guy, but as, as an athlete, you know, I appreciate what he's done for the franchise. You can't, you know, two Super Bowls is nothing to sneeze at, you know? Um, but I do have issues with him. And I guess I might have issues with more of these guys if I knew them personally. I don't know him personally, but if I knew more about them, you know, because once that rape story came out, it was like, really, Ben? I don't know. Anyway, I um, never forgot that. (laughs) And I don't know. I don't think I love his energy between him and Mike Tomlin. They don't have that synergy that Drew Brees and Sean Payton have. They don't have that synergy that... uh, um, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield and Kevin Stefanski, shoot, anybody. I don't know. I just don't think there's a good, uh, I don't think there's a great relationship there. So anyway, uh, but I love Coach Tomlin, and I hope it works out for the Steelers because I'm a fan. And uh, congratulations to Chase Claypool. He had a great uh, rookie season. Um and yeah, hopefully uh, it'll get better for for Mapletron next year. Uh, I did not watch the rest of that Steelers game because I switched to watch the Tiger documentary on HBO, which was fascinating. Um, there were some things in there that I hadn't heard before. 
Uh, and, you know, it takes a lot to create someone who, <sighs> I don't know how to say this because I hadn't thought about talking about it other than you should check it out because it's interesting part one aired last night um but you get the impression that when you have two parents who are completely obsessed with your um future and you are becoming I mean Gandhi and I mean the dad really had some big visions for Tiger's life and what he thought uh his golf skill could translate into and uh, I think all of that always comes at the cost of the eventual relationship between the parent and the child. You know, you see it in Joe Jackson. Uh, you see it in uh, any dad that just got obsessed with the son and and pushed. And eventually the the kids break away and grow up and it becomes an issue. Um the girl the girl that tiger was dating in college uh that his parents made dump she still has the letter he that made his parents made him dump her is what i was trying to say um and she still has the letter of you know this tersely written it didn't sound like they had been in a three-year relationship it sounds like something his mother dictated over his shoulder and he signed it you know sincerely but it didn't sound like somebody who had been in a relationship with someone for three years you know someone who knew him from high school you know it was like this has been uh an interesting experiment (laughs) but I do not feel that your uh relationship with me is the best for me and now I feel like I've been manipulated by you and your family it was like what and I think it was because they were having sex or something. The in, the inference is that uh, the parents were afraid Tiger would get this girl pregnant and she was just a gold digger or something. It was deep. So anyway, if you get a chance to check out the Tiger documentary uh, on HBO, check it out. It was very good. Um, and it's telling, you know, there's there's a cost for becoming the greatest anything in the world. And... I don't know that everybody's prepared for the cost. You know, it's exciting and you want to make money and you want to, you know, have some. um, I don't know if you ever want to be famous, but you definitely want to be recognized by your peers as as good at something. You know, you want to be the best at something and you want your peers to know you're the best. But the 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 fame seems like he built himself a fame machine and it was really, really not something he was emotionally prepared for because while his parents were building this golf machine, they neglected the boy. I mean, it sounded like he didn't have a ton of social skills and was shy and quiet, and the only time he really felt in control was on the golf course, which sounds a lot like Michael Jackson um, and Prince. And you hear these stories and it's like, man, you almost wonder if it's more important to have good social skills and coping mechanisms as opposed to being rich and famous. Because I do think there was a generation of people who who decided that fame was going to be the way to um, 
just offset a lot of problems in your life. But it's not true. It's just an illusion. People don't know you. And and as much as they can love you, they'll turn around and just drop you on a dime. And, uh, you know, it's just it's too whimsical. Fame is your talent will keep you where you're supposed to be, you know, but fame is just fleeting. And you just hope that you, you know, maximize your time in the spotlight and not melt underneath it, you know. So we're going to see the meltdown coming, uh, you know. So it's 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 fascinating to me because I was alive during all of it. But there was just so much about Tiger that you didn't know about. And you feel like he had such a carefully crafted image. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, and I think Kobe Bryant was probably a lot like that, too. I would watch a documentary about him, too. I watched the one where he was in just, you know, I think a couple years ago, Muse on Showtime. But I want to see something that's less subjective and more objective, especially in light of his passing, which is still crazy. So anyway, that's that. Uh, Tiger on HBO is what I watched instead of watching the Steelers look flat uh, apparently they bounced back a little bit. I look at the score, but still, that was they were never going to win after it got to twenty-eight nothing. And uh, da-da. so here we are. What is this? The following week, I'm still waiting to see um, the the impeachment. I think whatever needs to happen needs to happen now. Uh, I don't want another week of Trump sitting around stirring people up. And here's where we are in society. Somehow Republicans have managed to say that this isn't uh, Trump's fault at all. You know, you and I get <laughs> to I get the logic that you can't be responsible for how people receive your message. Uh, only how you send the message. I get that a little bit. But when the message is come, you know, come tear this shit up. I don't know that that still applies. I mean, clearly this is all his fault. He is, he has whipped up these disenfranchised people for four years and longer, and they will do anything he wants. And he knows that. I mean, I do think he's sort of in some sort of narcissistic fever dream, but I also do think that uh, he was well aware of what he was getting into when he started blasting people on his Twitter account, I don't know, 12 years ago, 14 years ago. He knew that these people uh, would respond to him in a certain way. And he's always sort of like, you know, uh, decided that this was his group, even though they have absolutely nothing in common. And, you know, uh, he is a person that exploits the disenfranchised and they're easy to be exploited. Every disenfranchised group is. And the problem is we're at a point in our society where narcissism is running rampant. Accountability is hard to to find. Nobody wants to be accountable for any of their actions. Uh, And then everybody's a victim. And what I mean by that is, yes, there are injustices in the world. Yes, there, without doubt, there are injustices in America. They are well noted. But everybody feels like they're a victim of whatever it is. And... It's not just this has been happening. It's 
I'm not getting where I'm supposed to be because this has been happening. And you can insert uh, whichever disenfranchised group you want into that. Um, Whether you're black, whether you're male, whether you're female, whether it's your gender, whether it's your sexuality, someone has been mistreating you because of those things. And that's why you're not where you want to go. And the difference between white male disenfranchisement and everything else I just named is uh, they don't seem to feel mm, their victimization has been weaponized. You see what I'm saying? They don't seem to feel like they uh, are victims and they can just take it lying down. They're victims and they're going to uh, flex with it. And now they have a president who is sort of like, yeah, you are a victim. Yeah. You know, they're sexists. They're um, uh, they hate women. They hate women's rights. They hate people of color. They hate people of colors, right? They hate everybody who isn't them, basically. And that's the difference between white male disenfranchisement and everybody else's uh, straight white male. Let's be clear. Uh, They just, they are toxic masculinity uh, in human form. And it's uh, scary because, you know, if they feel disenfranchised, you know what's really going on who who is the who is franchised then <laughs> cuz everybody else is like wait the world is designed for you at least the american world is designed for you and your success so uh you know they'd have to really do some deep soul searching to figure out why their lives suck so bad uh, nobody wants to do that cuz that means you got to be accountable you know and you got all these these people out here doing their thing. And then you got all these other people who are doing their thing. And I'm not saying that anybody's issue is worse than the other. It just looks different. Um, everybody else is in their feelings and feeling victimized. And it comes out in a whole nother way. These these dudes act like, you know, well, yeah, let's just storm the Capitol. That makes good sense to do a little meth and go tear up the Capitol. I don't know. It's just uh, we are in interesting times and nobody's accountable for their actions. Well, it's not my fault. Whose fault is it? That's probably the question to ask. That's the question of the last 20 years. Well, whose fault is it then? (laughs) Nothing's anybody's fault. You know, you know why it's so refreshing when someone says, oh, man, my bad. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. You know why that's refreshing? Because half the people in the world don't ever do that. They just it's just not a thing anymore to just step up and be a grown up and say, hey, that was my fault. I really messed that one up, you know, and it feels good when you own your own shit because you can't fix something you don't own. You know, I'm I'm as disappointed as anybody to find out that the world is not a meritocracy. I actually have situations going on in my own life where I am certain that it should be going a different way. And it's not because of something that has nothing to do with the work. You see what I mean? Like when you're doing the work, the work speaks for itself, you know, and I am as frustrated as anybody. It's not a meritocracy. People find reasons to to not give you what you probably deserve all the time. But you can't go around, you know, throwing rocks and tearing shit up and burning it down. 
You know what I mean? It's just you have to come up with a different solution and you have to be a grown up. And I think right now we're witnessing a society that's grappling with the idea of being a grown up. You know, you walking around and you're smiling, committing federal felonies and you're going to take selfies. You're morons. That's not smart. I don't get it. I really don't get it. And everybody is a victim. Everybody's uh, been traumatized and victimized and (sighs) except the real victims. I'm not sure they're still getting the justice they deserve. I don't know. It's just a fascinating time. And I don't have any answers for that. I don't. don't. Uh, The thing I do for myself, which I would advise for everybody, is, you know, just keep living your best life in your lane and doing what you can do for yourself and your family. If you have children, raise your children well. Pay attention to them. Invest in them. Put time into them, you know. Uh, if you have a little money, try to make it a lot more money, you know, save it, invest it, learn about money, pick up a book, whatever your life issue is individually, you know, figure it out. If you got kids who can't figure out, well, I don't want to go to college. I don't want that debt. Great. Go to trade school, figure it out. But let's, let's let the grownups back into the room and, uh, kick the inmates out of the the asylum because they are out here running things and I mean it's scarier than ever in that sense because these people are unhinged they're in a complete cult and they don't even seem to realize it <laughs> I was watching some video yesterday and these guys were like we're here to save you we're trying to save you oh okay they're storming the capital and breaking things and to knock people upside the head and kill people. We're here to save you. Okay. You know, this is this has been a shitty shitty experience and an experiment uh and this is basically what it looks like to try to destabilize America. So if you if you were wondering if Trump had some uh Russian operative in him, this is it. And he is fighting like all everything to not go to jail. And it's plainly obvious. And then you got goofy Josh Hawley from my state of Missouri who shot his shot. I mean, basically, he thought, well, I'll just rally behind these crazies because they vote. And Trump's obviously not going to be able to to run again. He's obviously probably going to be in a in jail or wherever he's going. So I'm going to be their leader. Well, you don't have the charisma or whatever you would call it. I don't know that I would call it charisma for Trump. They want him. You ever ever realize, you know, why Charles Manson's family fell apart after he went to jail? It's because he was the charismatic one. Josh Hawley, no one's going to rally behind you like they did Trump. You know why? Because you're not him. And even if you were... You'd have to build your own thing. Don't be jumping on somebody else's thing. These people are sycophants, you know. And now I hope you get expelled from the Senate because you shouldn't have incited that kind of thing. And you're, you don't even live in Missouri. Did you all know that? Josh Hawley doesn't live in Missouri. He uses his sister's address as his home in Missouri. 
dude, these people are all bad actors. Clown factory, man. We are out here looking ridiculous. But you know what? We brought this on ourselves. Somehow we uh, got lax. We didn't vote like we should. And we got a Trump. And now I hope we continue to vote like we did last November. Because when you sleep at the wheel, you will crash into the wall.